Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. It is 12 minutes after 10 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Really uh, honor and a pleasure being in your company. Now, the uh, Barakwanath Hospital released some stats that about 900 babies had died during birth or shortly after birth. Uh, and those deaths could have been avoidable, uh, it seems. And this between the year 2020, uh, 20 and 2022. Um, joining us on the first half of this conversation is Professor Stembi Sovelapi. Prof, uh, good evening and thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, good evening, Sam. Good evening to your listeners. Yeah. Before we get to the accountability stuff, Prof, I want us to start with the educational stuff. Explain to us what can potentially go wrong in childbirth, generally speaking, that can result in the death of the baby? Okay. So, so there are many factors that can go wrong, and that starts from early on in pregnancy and uh, during labor and soon after that. So a mother might have a disease like a severe high blood pressure that requires that the baby must be delivered and that the baby might, might not be ready to come out. So when that baby comes out, the lungs are not well developed to, yeah. for that baby to breathe independently. So that would be a problem that that baby might not survive because it's born before 10. Or during labor, the baby might have some difficulties because of underlying problems uh, in terms of not being able to cope with the stress of labor because either the baby has not been growing well inside the womb or had a problem, other problems uh, affecting his survival inside the womb, because that the baby must come out uh, earlier. Mm. So that baby might have a problem at time of delivery, or what we call a fetal distress, that I don't have enough oxygen because the placenta is not functioning well or the placenta is separated uh, from, the, from the womb. And uh, after, after delivery, then they might need support and assistance. And if one does not have all the resources to support the, the baby, then that baby might have uh, problems in terms of survival. Uh, or the mother might have infection uh, that uh, can get to the baby, and that baby is born with pneumonia, having some difficulties in breathing. Yeah. So there are a number of reasons, uh, yeah. a number of factors that could go wrong, uh, either during pregnancy, uh, during labor, and after delivery. And for that matter, even long before uh, pregnancy, there could be some factors that contribute to that baby having problems. Uh, so, for example, if a baby has uh, congenital abnormalities or is at risk of having abnormalities, either because the mother is at advanced age and then that uh, baby might have a problem because of that uh, abnormality. Mm-hmm. How common are these events, especially during birth? Uh, labor? Uh, it, it depends and on what uh, problem one is talking to. The problem of uh, prematurity, one is looking about uh, 10 to 15% uh, of that uh, being born at uh, preterm. So therefore, in that group of babies, the difficulties of breathing uh, because the lungs are not too uh, uh, well matured mm. uh, will be common. As the younger the baby is in terms of being born earlier, in terms of pregnancy, the more likely that that baby will have uh, problems. Mm. For example, if a baby is born uh, less than 30 weeks, mm. you know about 80% of them will have uh, about uh, difficulties in breathing. 
So it depends on what condition you're looking at when we say how common the problems are. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, uh, pre- pre- uh, premature births are seemingly out of the control or out of human control for the most part. But what typically precipitates them? Okay. So, so there are a number of factors. Uh, number one, they could be socioeconomical and also they could be genetic. Okay. A, a mother who is very small is more likely to deliver uh, much earlier because the size might not be allowing that baby to stay in utero. Mm. And the the other factors are the ones that where the, the mother has an illness that results to that mother uh, being born much mm. earlier. I mm. mean, mother delivering much earlier. So when a baby is born prematurely or with some level of complications that uh, results in a weakness in the lungs and the baby needs assistance to breathe, what is the common, uh, what is the standard operating procedure as far as uh, protocol is concerned for such a baby? I am assuming they they are put on a mask and in incubation. Okay. So when the baby comes out and is not able to breathe, we will breathe for the baby. So we're talking about the golden minute after delivery that the baby must either, must either be breathing on his or her own or being assisted to breathe by the healthcare uh, provider within a minute of life. So if the baby is not breathing, we will breathe for the baby. Uh, as you so what, what is that, mouth-to-mouth ma- ma- mouth resuscitation? <laughs> no, not, not these days unless you are in an emergency somewhere. Yeah. outside the facility. So no, we'll use a, a mask attached to a, what we call a resuscitator bag, uh, so which will then pump oxygen to the baby's lungs right. and help that baby to start breathing. Right. So, yeah. Prof, what has been going wrong at Bara for so many babies to die uh, at, at death, uh, at birth, and more specifically, those 900-plus uh, deaths that could have been avoidable, what does that mean in practice? Okay, so I think first, let's just look at what is Baragonath Hospital. Uh, Baragonath Hospital is called a tertiary center, and it's a part of a cluster. So that means there are groups of hospitals, starting from district uh, and the regional hospital, and below that is what we call a primary health care and also community health care centers. Those uh, centers, uh, when they deliver, when the clinics deliver babies, if those babies have a problem, especially if you're looking at Soweto, Region mm. G and D, those babies will be sent to Bara for, for admission. Sure. Uh, patients that uh, have a problem, so like conscious abnormalities requiring surgery uh, from uh, the regional hospitals that our cluster, for example, from Sibukeng, Telemukwerane, um, uh, so all those babies who've got serious problems like uh, that require surgery will come to Bada. As far as Northwest Province, patients who've got uh, problems that require surgery, they will come to Baraguanat. So one needs to look at Baraguanat is that it's not just dealing with its own delivery. It's looking at all those areas in terms of support. Uh, that's number one. Number two, because of limited intensive care bed in terms of availability, even the babies who have been home, when they are coming back to hospitals very small, they are still small. I mean, they were ready to be discharged, but still small, for example, three kilograms and less. 
they will still come to Bada and they'll come to Natal ICU if they need uh, a, a ventilation. So, so there's that demand uh, in terms of the hospital. So a lot of babies come to Bada from different places. So when we're looking at any of those deaths, we need to say who are those babies uh, who are dying. So some of them have got what we call conscious abnormalities. Some What's of that? them, are, that means you are born with a, a defect. Okay. What we call a birth defect. And some of them, those the birth defects are very severe, uh, make it uh, difficult for them. Give to, us a typical example of what such a birth defect might be. Okay. So the, the typical example is where the baby is born with the abdominal wall uh, not being complete, with the bowel outside. Right. So it's a physiological or a neuro or a, a, a genetic defect. Yes. Okay. It's, 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 a, it's a defect that makes the baby to have problems uh, to survive without surgery or without uh, further support in terms of that uh, uh, that condition. So so we need them to understand Balaguanas in that respect. Now I think one needs to make a correction. So 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 so, so let's 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 establish yeah. the relevance of that context. Is yeah. it what you're saying that some of the babies that may be dying in Bara are babies that were not necessarily born there, or they may have been, but they were discharged and later came back, and then the death may occur after that fact? That's very correct. Okay, that's very correct. So, so, so that's what Balagonat is dealing with, it's a tertiary center, which again, if your referral system is working well in any cluster system, that, what, that one would expect, that should happen because the district hospitals might not have a pediatrician, might not have all the facilities that Balagonat has. So it's, it's a correct thing, it's a right thing that those, hospitals, those patients come to, to mm, father. Mm. So uh, hence there's competition for the resources mm. that uh, at uh, at Balkonat Hospital. Yeah. So does the if if we read it again and say 900 babies have died at Barakwanath Hospital uh in instances that could have been avoided is that an indictment of Barakwanath Hospital or is it an indictment of the healthcare system holistically specifically in Gauteng? Is, is, the health, is the healthcare system holistically? Uh, because, as I say, they come from different places. One has to cater for all of them coming from the different uh, hospitals, including from uh, other provinces. Hmm. And again, when we're talking about, I think people are saying these are avoidable uh, deaths. Uh, it might be correct in a way, but on the other hand, it might not be correct because. All that we do as doctors and nurses, we look at each and every death, we review the death. Mm. And then we found that there was a, a problem uh, that if this problem was there, it's possible that this death would have happened. But it's not definite that the death would not have happened. And I think we, we need to be clear about that. We are saying this death had avoidable um, factors. So there were avoided factors associated with this death. Let, let's take an example. If you take a baby who was born 500 grams, mm. now we'll say that baby is immature, in the ICU and all that. Mm. But because of the limited resources, 
that baby might not get to an ICU because the, the risk of that baby not surviving are very high, irrespective of where you are. Even in developed countries, the smaller the babies are, the more likely that they will not survive. But mm. because you are looking at pushing that, we need to get, to get resources to look, to, to look after each and every baby. One baby who dies is one too many. Yes. One baby's abnormality is one too many. So as clinicians, we fight and say, all these babies must be given a chance. So, so, this, that, so that if, you baby, had, if you had enough masks uh, and if you had enough, uh, is it incubators, would these deaths not have happened? So, so we've got enough masks. We've got enough beds. We've got enough incubators. What we don't have, we don't have enough space in ICU to put them on ventilators, to put them on the machines to breathe for them. So we don't have those advanced kind of uh, resources if, in terms if, of both the beds, yeah. the space, and the nurse and the doctors to look after this baby. So because of those limited resources, there's competition for these resources. So as doctors, we say, if there's a high probability of a child not surviving, we might say, we'll have to say, we're going to go for the baby with a high, prob- high probability of, of surviving. But that baby will say, should we have had a bed for this happening grandma? Possible could have survived, but not definitely would have survived. Okay. And I think we need to make sure that that is clear to the community as we talk about this, uh, this death. Yeah. So if you could wave a magic wand and solve your resource crisis, how many ICU beds would you add to the Bara neonatal uh, unit? And how much would that cost? Of course, you need more doctors, nurses, midwives, and all of that associated yeah. with that. Holistically speaking, how much are we talking about? Okay. So holistically speaking, the guide that we use is that one you need one bed for thousand life beds. So that's what uh, we need one bed for thousand life beds. Or to make it simple, one bed. One one each, ICU bed, you mean? One ICU bed for each uh, thousand. Uh, for for thousand births. Okay. Yeah. So so now if you look around the the Soweto our area, uh, Baraguanat has got about eighteen thousand uh, uh, beds. And uh, there's another hospital in Soweto, taking Langen, it's got about three to four thousand uh, okay. uh, beds, and the clinics have got about just over ten thousand beds. So, so to cater for all of those beds, then we need about uh, between thirty and thirty-five uh, ICU beds. So, so that's what we need. So you need even before so... even before we cater for the cluster hospitals that send right, they send babies there, okay, for, for surgery. So. To recover for that, you even much more close to to forty to cover for all the other hospitals that need to come to send babies to Bada. How many how many ICU beds do you have at the moment for 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 uh, at, what's the capacity at the moment? That, that's an interesting question. So officially, the number of beds that are gazetted for Balakonat Hospital, the ICU beds, is twelve. But we talk about the usable beds where we, if there's a space, we will put an ICU bed. For those usable beds, we're having about 18 uh, usable beds. Okay. You need 35. We need about 35. So you need to double your capacity. 
Exactly. How much do you need for that? Uh, I, I don't, I can't tell you offhand, but definitely millions and millions of lives if you are going to include, if not... Uh, but I mean, you're the head of the period. department, uh, uh, Prof. Yeah. If, if, if you were to appear before the finance minister and you said, well, I'll sign you a check right now, tell me how much, what would that number be? So I'll say, give me a million per bed that will cater for the, for the staff and, and, the, and the equipment. So if you got 20 million rand right now, you'd be able to solve this problem? I'd be able to solve the problem just for the equipment and, and the space and then the ongoing care in terms of human resources. Right. Look, uh, Prof, we're going to leave it there. And I'm, uh, thank you so much for your time and, and your transparency. I really, really do appreciate it. It's Again, it's a very sad conversation. Um, and, and I don't for a second want to pretend that uh, healthcare professionals are not doing the best that they possibly can. Um, I know they are, but I, I also know that the administration is a complete failure uh, and that we need to fix it. And I think I just need to add on to that, that we've got dedicated nurses and doctors who work day and night and working overtime and make sure that each and every baby is given a chance to survive, not only to survive, but to survive without any abnormality, without any limb loss or disability. Yeah. Prof, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, we're going to speak to the DA Shadow Minister of Health, Jack Bloom, that raised the question that brought about this answer on the other side of this. Night Dog, walking you to the ballot box. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. It really is an honor and a pleasure being in your company. Did you miss that conversation I have there with uh, uh, Prof. Velapi? It's tragic what's happening. It really, really is tragic. But the uh, the Democratic Alliance brought about a question in the provincial legislature that brought the answer to this. Jack Bloom, the shadow, DA Shadow Minister of Health, now joins us. D- uh, Jack, uh, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, good evening. Good to be with you. You listened to my conversation with uh, Prof. Velapi, who's the head of the neonatal uh, division within Baragwanath Hospital of Pediatrics and Child Care. Uh, what's your reaction to the answers you heard there? Well, uh, clearly there's a shortage of ICU beds. And, and frankly, it's not a huge amount of money to ask uh, say, yeah. for another 20 million rand, and I'll tell you why. You know, the, the, there's currently a way the, during the COVID epidemic. The Gauteng provincial government wasted about two billion rand in emergency funds, and about three hundred million rand of that was spent on extra wards at Chris Harney Baragwanath Hospital, which uh, they don't even have a use for. There's just so much wastage, to be honest. They spent uh, five hundred million rand uh, refurbishing a hospital in the far west rand, which is now completely abandoned. So, quite frankly, when you look at the huge amounts of money that's wasted, and Let's talk about the one billion rand uh, that was misspent at the Tembisa Hospital, and I can tell you now that there's uh, massive money that's probably being misspent at the Chris Harnibagwald Hospital. If you just spent the money effectively, I'm sure you could easily find 20 million rand a year to 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 staff uh, uh, sufficient ICU babies, uh, ICU beds to save more babies, because clearly. It's one of the avoidable factors, and if they had more ICU beds for for babies, they could save a lot more of them. Yeah. Uh, Jack, I mean, you would have had a look at the budget uh, of the Department of Health in Gauteng uh, as it was tabled by the MEC. Um, as should as, as as is the legal requirement, and uh, the provincial legislature has an opportunity to debate those budgets, to vote on those budgets, to or reject certain parts of that that budget. Where do you see the current deficiencies in the healthcare budget in Gauteng, 
where we perhaps could have avoided not spending 20 million rand on what is essential care for babies? Well, you know, it's an enormous budget. It's 60 billion rand uh, that uh, that they get. It's uh, uh, the largest budget, uh, the largest component of the provincial budget. It's just terribly spent. Every year, the Auditor General gives a scathing report about unauthorized uh, uh, spending and wasteful and fruitful spending. Fruitless spending. Um, and, and, and really, I think the, the real problem is just... Uh, spending it properly and stopping the corruption and inefficiency. I can give you one example of this. You know, Chris Arnibagrad Hospital is falling apart, as are many of our hospitals. They desperately need to be refurbished. Do you know that 300 million rand that was intended to refurbish hospitals uh, was returned to Treasury in, in the last uh, wow. uh, financial year? And now, now you know Sorry, repeat that figure. Year. Did you say 300 million rand? I said 300 million rand. And the financial year runs from uh, from April to, to March. So uh, at the end of March this year, the, the Treasury was uh, uh, refunded 300 million rand because they simply couldn't spend it. Now, I mean, when you've got incompetence like this, um, you know, all sorts of things go wrong. Uh, currently, Chris Harney, Bagwell Hospital is short of food because they're not paying their suppliers on, on time. Now, if you can't get a simple thing right, like paying suppliers on time, what, what other things are going wrong? And I think that that's the root of the problem. So there you have it, 300 million rand that was meant for uh, for health infrastructure in our hospitals was returned to Treasury because they couldn't spend it. Now, I can tell you that uh, of this year's 60 billion rand budget, a lot of that is going to be uh, inefficiently spent as well. And I think we've got to do something about corruption in this department. So the SIU found that uh, over a period of three years, uh, one billion rand was misspent at the Tembisa Hospital alone. Uh, now imagine the difference to the lives of the patients at Tembisa Hospital if that one billion rand was properly spent at that hospital. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I mean, we don't even have to speak about the money lost to corruption. We can just speak about the money that exists, which is that 300 million rand. What was the justification for? Uh, the return of that money. Did you put a question uh, to the MEC about that and did you receive a response? What was it? Well, it was revealed at uh, the Oversight uh, Committee on Health and uh, obviously I did question why why this happened and really it's because they they didn't plan ahead to spend this money properly, you know, uh, which is just ridiculous because of the, that's why you have a budget. At the beginning of the year you have a budget you should plan ahead. You should uh, you should hire the contractors to do the job, and they should do the job. But then you should pay them on time. But what typically happens, uh, because of inefficiency and corruption, is uh, is that they don't get around to hiring a contractor. If they do hire a contractor, uh, he doesn't finish the job, uh, or uh, or it's a corrupt contractor and you overpaid them and. Uh, uh, they, they don't finish the job either, then you have to get another contractor. I mean, it's just a sad old story, quite frankly. They they never, ever finish a project on time and within budget. It typically takes uh, twice the time and uh, double the budget if you're mm. lucky. Uh, if you're lucky, they actually uh, deliver a product and uh, there you have it. But uh, very often, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, they, they don't choose the best uh, contractors, uh, 
uh, we, we don't get the job done. So, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Ch- 300 million rand just went to waste. Was that 300 million rand in the department provincially or was it 300 specifically at Bara? No, it was uh, it was for, for all hospitals. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously you could uh, direct it to hospitals in need. Uh, can I tell you a, a shocking figure is that half of our hospitals, there's 37 hospitals, about half of them don't comply with basic uh, occupational health and safety legislation. My goodness. Uh, so, I mean, that's how dire it is. So let's look at Chris Harley-Bergard Hospital. It's our largest hospital. There's a budget of 3 billion rand. You know, there are some government departments that don't have mm, uh, a budget mm. as large as that. It has more than 6,000 uh, employees, but it's just terribly uh, mismanaged. Uh, the NEC for Health visited the hospital this week uh, because of the shortage of food issue, and, and she discovered... Uh, I don't know how she can say she was suffered, but uh, didn't know beforehand. But uh, she announced that the, the hospital doesn't have sufficient cold storage facility to order food in bulk, which would help them with with feeding the patients. Now, I mean, surely, uh, you know, this should have been a priority of the hospital management to have sufficient cold storage facility. How have they been operating all these years without? Uh, proper cold storage facilities mm. for, for food. So, I mean, that's the level of incompetence that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just lastly, Jack, um, when 300 babies die um, f- for avoidable reasons, culpability can be established and can be located. Um, and where there is culpability, that's to say you can point out where the failure took place and who's responsible for it. Surely those people can be held liable the Democratic Alliance as an institution has been, as a party, has been very effective using the courts and 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 and, and uh, ombudsman institutions to hold accountable negligence in public affairs. Um, are you guys considering that? Why have you not uh, yet launched a class action uh, lawsuit on behalf of those 900 babies' parents? Well, look, the in fact, in the reply that the NEC gave to me, they denied that there was any medical negligence whatsoever. Uh, and then they listed a whole lot of what they called avoidable factors. Now, as the professor said, um, it was an avoidable factor for, for these 900 babies, but maybe a number of them would have died anyway. Uh, I mean, so you can't make the direct association. So the level of proof required is uh, you've got to you know, look at uh, individual case by case. And in fact, uh, uh, the reason I ask questions about uh, the maternity and the neonatal unit of Chris Harley-Bergel Hospital is that uh, it's a major cause of, of medical negligence cases. They're currently facing uh, 50 claims, totaling 1 billion rand in total, um, uh, of babies uh, born brain damage. Now, uh, the problem with that for the department is that when it goes to court, uh, uh, the payout is typically huge because it's lifetime care. It could be anything between 20 and 30 million rand lifetime care for a brain damaged baby. Now, surely, you know, obviously, uh, you should do everything in your power to to have babies born healthy, uh, but uh, of course, no amount of money can be. A proper compensation for that, but but surely just from an economic yeah. point of view, if you stop the medical negligence payouts and 
and redirected that money to buy extra ICU beds and proper staff and equipment, uh, you know, isn't that a hundred times better? So there you have it, uh, one billion rand in claims that uh, uh, that they might well have to pay out if they lose these cases in court. What about spending that money rather than fixing up the department? So, yeah. So a mere 20 million rand to, to get the required number of ICU beds uh, is a very good investment apart from anything else. Yeah. Jack, thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Jack Bloom, DA Shadow Minister of Health in the province of Gauteng. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, we continue the show.